Good evening. So, last week we started lesson number three in Salvation Bible Basics. Um, and tonight we are going to do part two, and then I'm actually going to split this one up into three parts. So, in two weeks, when I'm back from our vacation. Uh, we will finish up lesson number three. But just as a short recap before we get into tonight's lesson, um, we finished lesson two with showing people really where they are if they're not if they don't have a relationship with God. We looked at the seven comparisons that the Bible tells us of those who have a relationship with God and those who don't. And then lesson two ends with like um, talking about man's attempts to get from that side of not having a relationship with God to having a relationship with God. But then we looked at what the Bible says about those attempts and how, of course, those aren't valid. Um, and then the good news is the gospel, which is God's way of getting from that side of not having a relationship with him to having a relationship with him. And last week we looked at four key points on um, the gospel, the good news, which is um, the Bible tells us the gospel is the power of God, the dynamite, the dunamis of um, it's the power of God to salvation. If you follow what the, follow the gospel, believe the gospel, you can get from that point of uh, not having a relationship with God and to having a relationship with God. Um, and we saw that gos the gospel is not baptism, because a lot of religions out there say that salvation is through baptism. The Bible clearly shows that it's not. And then we looked at what the gospel is according to 1 Corinthians 15. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then the last thing we looked at, it's believing the gospel is by faith. We looked at the example of Abraham, how he looked forward in faith to the coming sacrifice of Christ. So now tonight... We're going to look at two points um, of how the gospel or the death of Christ is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And just reading through this again yesterday, there's just some exciting things that it's just like, thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. Um, so I'm going to go through here. Uh, we're going to look at a couple examples of how the death of Christ was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And then we're going to look at some examples in the New Testament, uh, mainly from the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 10 and chapter 9. Um, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. So I'm going to get into that now. <clears throat> so <clears throat> the gospel, or the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is found or foreshadowed in the Old Testament, which was written long before Jesus ever came to this earth. 
In fact, we find the very first mention of the Messiah that would come in Genesis 3.15. You have all heard the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, how they sinned in the garden when they ate of the fruit that God told them not to. After God pronounced the curse on them because of their sin, what did he do? Well, we talked a little bit about this last week, but in Genesis 3.21 we read, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. This was a foreshadowing of the Messiah. And for this particular example, foreshadowing, um, here's a good example. Um, the word foreshadow means, frankly, it means a picture. So if I would show you my phone, uh, of course, <laughs> when this Bible study was initially written, uh, the example would be, oh, if I pulled out my wallet and had a picture of my wife and kids. Well, of course, these days pictures are on your phone, not in your wallet anymore, m at least most people. So if I would pull out my phone and show you this picture, and I'd say, that's a picture of my family. We actually took that at the Philadelphia airport two weeks ago, before all the tornadoes, um, and that's us waiting for our flight. But obviously you understand me, I'm standing here, Anna, Katie, and Becky aren't actually in my phone, no doubt. But it's a picture. If I would say this is my family, people would understand it's not actually my family in my phone. It's a picture. And of course, if they would have seen my picture of my family and then later on would met them in person and be like, oh, that's your family. Well, that's the same thing with the gospel being foreshadowed in the Old Testament. It was a picture, just like that was a picture on my phone. There's many pictures in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah. Um, God was giving pictures in the Old Testament of what he was getting ready to do when Jesus came into the world. When God clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins, he had to kill the animal to get the skins for them. When you kill an animal, blood has to be shed. The killing of the animals to clothe Adam and Eve is a foreshadowing of the fact that one day Jesus would come and shed his blood to pay for our sin. He died in our place, just like that animal had to die in the place of Adam and Eve. Um, and then there's a couple other examples. I'm not going to read all, all that's in here, but we have the example of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. In Genesis 22, 8, um, we have the answer of Abraham to Isaac, like where Isaac's like, Father, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham responds, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And of course, knowing that story, Abraham was about to kill Isaac, and then God stopped him, or the angel stopped him. And then in verse 13 of Genesis 22, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. We have the example of a replacement there, and that's again a picture of the coming sacrifice of Christ. But we, we also see the faith of Abraham of he was going to sacrifice his son, just like God told him to do that. And then um, 
Of course, we have the example of the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, um, Exodus 12, 21 through 23, which says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood uh, that is in the basin and strike the lentil and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into, in unto your houses to smite you. Uh, of course, there's the example of that's the Passover. Literally, the death angel passed over their houses when they saw the blood. And of course, that's a picture of when, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, God looks at you and sees the blood of Christ, and he'll pass over you. So that's a picture of the coming sacrifice. And then one more uh, Old Testament picture, um, which is found in the law in Leviticus 16, 15 through 16, uh, talking about the Day of Atonement. Um, in Leviticus 16, 15 and 16, it says, Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do, that, and do with that blood as he did with the blood <clears throat> of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins, and so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. <clears throat> and um, it's interesting, it makes the point here, at uh, atonement, you break that down, it's at one or being made one with God. And that's the day of atonement was an example of being made right with God, and that's again a picture the blood of Christ, his sacrifice, you accept Christ's sacrifice, that is a way of being one with God. So, and there's many other examples in the Old Testament, but in this study, it brings out, of course, Adam and Eve and the death of the animal that covered them with the coats of skins. And again, to be consistent with the rest of the Bible, most likely that uh, God used a lamb, of course, the Bible doesn't say that, but again, that would be consistent with uh, the rest of Scripture. And then we have the example of Abraham and Isaac, and God providing Isaac a substitute with the ram. And then we have the Passover, and then the Day of Atonement. Four main things that foreshadowed was a picture of Jesus' coming sacrifice. So that was foreshadowing in the Old Testament. Now we're going to look at some recognition in the New Testament. Um, every Jewish person knew these stories, the one that we just went over. Uh, they have heard them many times and knew them all inside and out, and many others also that we didn't look at. Each one was a picture, a foreshadowing of the Messiah that would one day come. But what do these Old Testament pictures, this foreshadowing, have to do with the New Testament Jesus Christ? Well, uh, consider John 1.29. John the Baptist, and it says here, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and, say, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And of course, he's speaking to a Jewish audience, and if they knew the scriptures, 
they'd be like, John is talking about the coming Messiah, the Lamb of God, because that was the consistent picture um, that God had throughout all of uh, the Old Testament. Um, now we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking through uh, several verses here uh, in Hebrews 10 and then Hebrews 9. Um, and the book of Hebrews, of course, is most likely the Apostle Paul giving an argument for how Jesus is better than the law and so many other things. Uh, but in chapter 10, he's talking about sacrifices. Um, and in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, <coughs> excuse me, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Now remember that we're looking at how God sees things. That's going all the way back to the first point of lesson one. Um, God says the law does not make men right with God. He plainly says that the sacrifices offered every year never made the people perfect or right with God. Every year, the Old Testament priest on the Day of Atonement would have to offer the same sacrifice again. Why? Because that sacrifice never took away the people's sins. Um, and then verse number 2 in Hebrews 10, it says, For then would they have not ceased to be offered? because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. <coughs> Excuse me. If those sacrifices offered on the Day of Atonement could take away sins, why would the high priest offer the sacrifice again next year? If the sins are gone, they are gone. So if he keeps on offering it, it is because it didn't take care of the sin problem. And again, um, with this portion of this lesson, again, we're showing the picture, the Old Testament picture, but sacrificing of animals wasn't sufficient. That's why they had to keep doing it. And it was a picture, again, of the coming Christ. And that's what this uh, chapter in Hebrews, uh, the writer, is making this argument. And then in verse 4, he says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. He clearly says, okay, they can't do it. That's why we have to keep doing these sacrifices. Um, he said it was a shadow, the law, which required the um, sacrifices of bulls and of goats. Um, it was the shadow of things to come. And then uh, we'll skip down to verse 10. Um, <coughs> after making, uh, after the writer is making his argument, um, Starting, again, this is toward Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was toward Jewish people, um, just building his argument. And then verse 10, he's like, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How many times did Jesus die? Once, because that was all that was needed. One time paid for all the sin. If Jesus had to keep on dying over and over again, it would be, because he wasn't able to pay for the sins of mankind. He would just be a picture like all the Old Testament sacrifices were. But Jesus died one time because his death was enough to pay for all the sins of the entire world. And again, as you're going through this study, we are pointing them 
to Christ and making this argument of this is what happened before Christ, but this is what Christ did to fulfill it. Um, verses 11 and 12 of Hebrews 10, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sinners forever, sat down on the right hand of God. <coughs> Jesus only had to die one time. Once he died on the cross, once he died on the cross and paid for our sins. This is that good news. This is the gospel. The good news that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. <coughs> he was buried and rose again from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. The good news is that Jesus died once and forever paid for the sin of mankind. And then in verse 12 it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The death of Christ was enough to pay for the sins of the world. All he had to do was die one time. Um, and of course, uh, the holy place, um, that was the inner room in the temple where God met with the high priest one time per year. No one else was allowed except the high priest, and he was only to go in one time a year. This verse tells us that Jesus didn't enter into the holy place um, into the very throne of uh, throne room of God, the Father, by the blood of goats and calves. He didn't kill an animal to get there, but he entered into that very holy place by his own blood. He died on the cross. The shedding of his blood is what bought his right, if you will, to go into that throne room for us. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, now, let's skip back to, um, or go back to Hebrews 9. We're going to look at a couple more verses there in Hebrews 9. Um, and that's where we'll finish up tonight. Um, Hebrews 9, 13 through 14 says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself, which out spot, without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In the Old Testament, people could offer sacrifices and talk to God, and, and God accepted them, even though those sacrifices were not able to completely wash away their sins. How much more powerful, then, is the blood of Christ, which does literally take away the sin? The Old Testament sacrifice was just like a guarantee. It would be like you signing a note down at the bank saying, I'll pay my bill. Next year, when it comes due, you go down and sign it again. Year after year, you keep signing it. I'm going to pay my bill. There comes a day when you walk in, lay the money down, and get your bill marked paid in full. After that, you don't keep going back again to the bank, signing the paper saying that you will pay the bill because the bill has already been paid. The Old Testament sacrifices did not take away the sins of the people. It was like they were saying, I know my sins are going to get paid for. It is going to be taken care of they're literally going to be wiped off the books. One of these days, it's going to happen. They didn't know when it would happen, but they believed that it would happen. The many sacrifices were reminders to them that they were sinners and that one day the Messiah would come to pay for their sins. When Jesus came into the world, he died on the cross, and once for all, he paid for that sin. That is why Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. 
Um, and again, um, I keep saying that again, but um, the Old Testament believers were looking by faith to the coming sacrifice, and they had all these pictures. And, of course, now us, we look back with faith on the already paid sacrifice. Um, and I'm glad I'm on this side. I would not have wanted to be in the Old Testament law time. But it's still through faith and believing in Christ through faith. Um, it was before Christ died, and it's now after Christ died. <clears throat> and then... Um, Look at Hebrews 9.15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. I know that is a long involved statement, and that's exactly what I was thinking. It's the, I know uh, the Apostle Paul doesn't put his name to the book of Hebrews, but definitely feels like an Apostle Paul uh, argument, um, but to explain this, it, Christ is the one who is in charge because he died on the cross for our sins. He's the one who is in charge of taking care of sin. He is the mediator, the go-between. Everyone who lived during the Old Testament days was saved, if you will, on credit. Our bill is going to be paid one of these days, but we don't have it paid yet. But when Jesus came and died on the cross, his New Testament, his new covenant, his payment for our sins was also the payment for their sins. And <clears throat> just as aside, a lot of this is an argument for those who believe in the Old Testament and, and be good for a Jewish person. But even without a Jewish person uh, and people not really understanding the Old Testament at all, it's still a, a good foundation to be like, okay, this is what happened before Christ died. Um, you might not have to go into all this detail um, when you're doing the study, but it is a good foundation to have. Um, and then we'll, we'll look at a couple more verses, and then uh, we'll be done with this portion. <clears throat> if you look at Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this to judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus didn't have to come back and die again and again. He, had, he only had to die one time. When he died, he not only paid for all the sins of the Old Testament saints, but he also paid for the sins of the people who would be born in the future. He paid for all the sins of the entire world, he only had to die once. Now he's at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. It is as he is saying, Here is the bill marked, paid in full, Father. See that fellow right there who's just now trusting in me alone to get him into heaven? Father, I have already paid for him. He has given up on himself. 
He's not trying to get in here by his own ways anymore. He is trusted in me, Father. He is one of mine also. And that is what the good news, the gospel, is all about. You and I can't get to heaven on our own way, but the good news is that Jesus has made a way for us to be right with God. So just in these two points, um, we looked at the gospel being foreshadowed, the picture of what was going to come, and then we looked at the argument in the book of Hebrews for Christ and his sacrifice. And um, word willing, when we're together next on this, we're going to look at some of Jesus' qualifications. We're getting back into some of those apologetics type things. And then we're going to see how Christ died as our substitute. In this lesson, it's just building a foundation layer on layer of, okay, here's the gospel. This is the picture of the gospel that is in the Bible. And this is what Christ actually did. Um, and he died as our substitute. Um, so we will look at that next time. And then um, lesson four is just trying to bring this all down to uh, what what it takes to be saved, the two ingredients of salvation. We're going to look at repentance and faith. And then um, at that point, it, uh, what faith isn't. We're going to look at works and then some uh, um, what God's part is in this. And then at the end, it comes to a point of... it. The, the last point is talking about a timeline, and then it's, it's just drawing the person in like, okay, have you had a time and place in your life that you have repented and turned in faith uh, to Christ? And that's, that's the whole point of the Salvation Bible basic study.